Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. Looking through red and black lenses, it's In The Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Yeah, welcome in to In The Red. No Ricardo Ball and I are filling in for him, but Justin Marshall is with me. Justin, how was your, uh, how's your Easter, mate? Yeah, good evening, Manaya, uh, and good evening to all the listeners out there, uh, and welcome to In The Red. Uh, it's been pretty good, to be perfectly honest, Manaya. Look, it's been another fascinating round of Super Rugby Pacific, uh, and, you know, good crowds, which was great to see. You know, I was very fortunate to be at the game, calling the game for Sky on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, the Crusaders Blues, and uh, pretty much close to a capacity crowd, which I haven't seen at that stadium to be perfectly honest, in quite a long time, there was, as everyone is aware, plenty of hype around the match. Uh, two heavyweights going toe-to-toe, uh, a lot of expectation. Uh, so the crowd turned up. Uh, the atmosphere, mate, was next-level good. It was really, really good. And the game, let's face it, it delivered on uh, on every single front by truckloads. So, yeah, it's been really nice uh, Easter weekend, um, although bit of a sting in the tail with the Crusaders getting beaten. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you mentioned it there, the uh, Blues defeating the Crusaders in Christchurch, I believe for the first time since 2004, producer Ben's telling me. That's a, that's a long time. Here's, here's how it sounded. Since Carlos Spencer weaved his magic on the game in 2004, the Blues have come to Christchurch and they have won. I can't believe it was that long. You've had 48 hours to uh, reflect on the loss, digest it. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that game, Justin? I think, first of all, the, the, probably the thing that we need to look at in the first instance is uh, the, the game in, t- in terms of a spectacle, you know. There's been a bit of chat, Manaya, about you know Super Super Rugby Pacific this year, and you know the New Zealand teams going head to head again for the third year in a row. Uh, you know, certainly not a fault of the tournament, just a fault of the the climate and the way the world is at the moment. Mm. And and you know we totally understand that and have sympathy for it as well. You know, I really feel for uh, Sanzar and and um, you know everybody trying to piece together these tournaments. Uh, lots get thrown at us. You know, let's face it, everybody out there will be aware of this. We, we were all set up and ready to go for a trans-Tasman competition mm. at the start of the year. And then there was this uh, Delta outbreak um, and then the Omicron followed and the tournament got completely changed. And we went, had to revert back to uh, having the New Zealand teams battle it out against again with um, Moana Pacifica uh, added. Um and that, and that makes it hard because they've been doing that now for three seasons on the bounce. They know each other well. Uh, they play each other a lot. Uh, we play a similar style of game. So I think there was a little bit of a hangover of those previous two uh, seasons. There had mm. been some good games. Uh, the Crusaders-Chiefs was a memorable one. I think the Moana Pacifica one against the Crusaders was a good one too. The unexpected, the unknown of how they were going to go. And they, they really delivered on the day. Um, yeah, a couple of classic finishes as well uh, in some of the other matches but in general some of it was starting to uh, get a bit hard to watch um, and the expectation leading into this game was 
you know, how this, how is this going to play out? Is this going to be two teams that are, are vying for the top position that uh, enter into an arm wrestle when we get a pretty boring, I guess, uh, territory-based game? Yeah. Uh, and um, and the players sort of go insular a bit just to try and hang on the result, but that certainly didn't happen. So I think that that's probably my 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 real pleasing point to come out of the match that we just saw New Zealand rugby players and New Zealand rugby played the way we know it can be played, and it didn't lack physicality, mate, because we've always got a really good skill set. Yeah, uh, we've got tempo in our game, but it delivered on all of those fronts, and I think that was great for the game. It's great for what we might see um, further on in the season in the quarters and semis. Uh, and we saw many All Blacks who, let's face it, didn't have a great year last year, the All Blacks. And I know that they are hurting from that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are under pressure this year. So we saw some classic matchups, you know, all the way um, out to sort of, if you, if you look at the wingers, you know, um, there was plenty of Talias versus uh, Sevu Reeses and, you know, the centres, Ioane versus Enor. Mm. Um, you know, first fives, Moonga and Barrett. You know, even the halves, Finley Christie up against Bryn Hall. Um, across the park, Sortutu and Cullen Grace. So it delivered, mate. And and I think that's really refreshing that it did that. Oh, absolutely. That was the first point I wanted to bring up with you was that I was financially invested in the Cronulla-Melbourne um, Storm game. And so I yep. was flicking back and forth between the two channels. Well, in the second half, I didn't go back to the rugby league at all. I was just <laughs> captivated um, from mm. the get-go. The, the drama that rugby union can bring that league, let's face it, can't. It's, it's a very simple game, and I think a lot of people love it for that, but it just can't produce mm. a lot of the drama that we saw on the weekend. Um, a, a couple of things on that. How good is it for the game going forward that that, that was billed as the spectacle game? You know, this was the one everyone was saying, this is, if you're going to watch one game of rugby union this, this year, yep. it'll be this one. And then the second second part, how unfortunate, uh, and I've forgotten the bloke's name, the prop who, who caught the ball uh, out on the wing, with about 30 seconds left on the clock. How unfortunate was he to have been there when it could have, almost any other winger or outside back might have scored that one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think firstly to, to answer your question, um, you know, it did, it had everything in the game. It had all of the skill sets that we expect um, of, of top teams and, and two teams stacked full of All Blacks. So it certainly delivered on that front. Then it had drama because obviously we had uh, a red card. We had... Um, you know, we, we, we had the, the, the dramatic finish, uh, the Crusaders, you know, pressing the Blues hard in the dying minutes, yeah. um, which also, you know, led to the, the you know, the pass um, out to Dominic Gardner, I think it was out there. And, yes. um, you know, it was, it, was just, it was just very good on all fronts. And, you know, my biggest fear leading into this game, as you mentioned, was it was billed pretty heavily. And sometimes when games are billed and, and, and talked about and, uh, you know, the, the, there is a lot at stake in the game. Because uh, let's face it, uh, you know, we, we spoke, we were very lucky on the rugby run yesterday uh, to, to speak to Leon McDonald, uh, you know, and, and he's really, very well aware that the, the, the winner of that game on Friday night, now we're, that we enter into Trans-Tasman, basically had the ability to control where they finish um, because you no longer have to play the New Zealand teams. That's a given. Yeah, that, Now, the draw is still going to mess you around. Yeah. For example, you know, where you get to play the Queensland Reds, where you play the Brumbies, the top two teams over there. But in general, it is only the Australian teams you have to contend with now. And bonus points will come into it. But ultimately, finishing top of that 
ladder, which one of those two teams were going to be, you have the ability to control your own destiny. So because of that, there was just a, an absolute massive amount at stake. And uh, I, I had a fear that for all the hype that, yeah. that the game was going to be one that people switched over to the league because it just didn't deliver. But, you know, good for rugby, good for those both those teams that they went out in a positive manner. You know, they could have – one of them – it only takes one of them to have a negative mindset yeah, and the game becomes hard work. But both of them entered into it. Like I thought – I knew in the first seven minutes when I saw the way that both teams had approached it, the fact that the Crusaders, who are the most kicking team in the competition – they looked to run it out of their 22 yeah. off the opening kickoff. And I was like, me, oh my, we are in for something pretty special today. And that was great for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's so many talking points, as you mentioned, the matchups, um, you know, Will Jordan, the, the attacking brand, um, what it meant for the game. But we've got, to, we've got to get to the red card up the top, I think. That one pretty indefensible, you would think, for Scott Barrett at the jury tonight? Unfortunately, yes. And uh, the problem for Scott is that he historically has, has had an issue in that area before. Uh, so, you know, it's it's not like uh, something that he can go in there and profess to have been, you know, completely clean in that regard. And people out there that are listening will remember he was the All Black that was sent off in Perth. Uh, slightly different situation where he was actually at that time, he was cleaning a player out mm. who was lower to the ground, but he got his technique wrong and he, he made direct contact with the head. So... That is deemed to be in the same category. And when the judicial look at it, um, and believe me, mate, I've been to the judicial a few <laughs> times and, um, back back in the day. Uh, it is very much like a court of law, yeah. uh, which, 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 to be perfectly honest, gives me the shits a little bit because, you know, it isn't a court of law. No. Um, it, it is actually rugby. It is a game. But, you know, they, they, they only look at it in one way. And, and often it's not, it's, it's not uh, former rugby players that understand those split-second decisions that can slightly go wrong. Um, it's usually QCs or lawyers uh, and officials that, that haven't played before. So basically, the bottom line is when you walk into that room, and as I said, I've been in that room a few times, um, and, and you know the time I was in there, I actually uh, made contact with uh, George Smith uh, on his face with my knee. Um, but anyway, <laughs> and... Uh, and, and and they they said, okay, Mr. Marshall, um, this isn't your first time to the judicial, but you know the the the, the opening um, what you need to be aware of is for this sort of offence, it starts at I think it was eight weeks at that time. Yeah, you need to convince us why you're not getting eight weeks, and you know you have to produce video footage, you have to produce, you know, what your mindset was at the time, what you were thinking, what you saw when you were entering into the contact. It is very much like a courtroom. And yeah. when you're talking to people that aren't rugby players, all they are looking at is the law. That's it. They're not thinking about you can slightly get it wrong or whatever. They're just going eight weeks. You tell me why not. Yeah, but you made contact with the head. Yeah, but you made contact with the head. Oh, yeah, but, you know, when I was coming in, there was another guy that I had to try and avoid it. it they don't look at that. So, you know, in a long-winded way, he starts at six weeks and he's got history. Uh and there's no mitigation, unfortunately, which no. is why it was red for him. Yeah, he, he had – he was late. The ball had already gone. Uh, he didn't drop his body height, really. No. Uh, and, he, and he dropped his arm, and it made direct contact. So, look, I, 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 he's not that type of player. I really feel for Scott Barrett. Uh, 
he's just got it, he's just got it wrong, mate. And unfortunately, he he's probably looking at. Oh, I'd be very surprised if he if he gets it reduced from where they start at for this, which I believe is a six week and then on. And yes. um, you know, so possibly to educate people out there again, um, because he's got history and it starts at six weeks. The judicial could give him eight because he's not learning. Which is him for the for the season, right at yeah. that point, mate. They could give him ten. Um, so, you know, they they will say, look, you haven't learnt. You've done this before, and you know, when I say it start, so so minimum is six weeks, and they could they could push it out, yeah. So, which I don't think is right, um, but that that's the way that it's governed at the yeah. moment, and so he's going to have to walk into that room knowing that. Um, look, just quickly to, to touch on it, 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 I they got the decision right, and he got and Scott Scott got it wrong, unfortunately. So. Uh, yeah, look, if the Crusaders get him back for a semi-final final, I think they'd be re- they'd walk out of that judicial process this evening relieved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned, it is a tough one for him. There are priors. There are um, mm. not a lot of mitigating factors for him in terms of players falling, um, you know, his commitment to the tackle and that kind of thing. But that's to the letter of the law and to these, mm. you know, QCs and such and such, watching this slow-mo footage and all of us sitting yeah. at home watching it as well. When you're out there in the heat of the battle, those kind of things happen. But as you mentioned, to the letter of the law, it could be six um, to eight minutes, uh, eight, mm. eight <laughs> weeks, sorry. Um, yeah. We're going to go to a quick break. On the other side of this, we'll talk about what that means for the Crusaders going forward. Very good to have you alongside us, uh, Manaya in for Ricardo, Justin Marshall in for himself. Just a quick update on the Rugby League that's going on today. The uh, West Tigers are up 20-10 to 10 against the Parramatta Eels, uh, if you can believe that. We've just been talking about Scott Barrett and that red card. We're going to get into, in a few minutes, what that means for the Crusaders going forward. But, Justin, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the matchups for this game uh, on the weekend and, and what that means. A lot has been made of the All Black First Five debate did this sway you in either direction, this matchup on the weekend? Uh, it really convinced me that uh, Bowden Barrett's coming back to the, the, the type of form that he was in um, pre-Japan. And look, I, I certainly feel that Japan is a refreshing option for a lot of our players. Uh, there's no doubt that it certainly uh, helps them uh, financially as well. Mm. Yeah, talk to me. <laughs> and, and that's yeah, that's right. That's very evident. But <laughs> uh, and I think you know players that have been through you know quite an arduous uh, you know few years. It's an opportunity for the freshen up, experience something different, not only on the rugby field but culturally as well. Yeah. But I don't feel that they they come back uh, absolutely firing. This I haven't seen cases where a player has played over there slotted straight back into the New Zealand rugby system and, and performed like he was before he left. And, you know, if I, you know, even I think of in recent times, Brodie Retallick, um, I, I certainly don't think that that was the case for him. Um, you know, Bowden obviously was the same when he came back into the mix. And it just takes a little bit of time for them to, fo- for them to find their feet again. TJ Pedanara is another one who I, I feel is getting better and better and better. But mm. when he first came back in, he was just off the pace. So, uh, you know, Bowden coming back in and um, sliding back into the All Blacks is never easy. Uh, and what it convinced me of, again, is is just his absolute class. Uh, I thought he was a real standout. Um, you know, I think he, he went out there. He dominated the game. Uh, if you're ever going to question anything, probably it would be just about his game management in, in that last quarter. 
Uh, I think um, he, he and a, along with some of the other key decision makers, and it won't just be him, you know, Captain Dalton Papali'i uh, and some of the key guys um, in that back line, even going out to sort of the likes of Rico Iwane, uh, who's played a lot of rugby at the moment. But, you know, those guys have got to be getting the feel and the vibe of the game. And, you know, mm. I think, um, you know, they, they, they in, in effect, uh, in that last quarter, um, brought the Crusaders back into the game just through some probably negative rugby, some aimless kicking and protecting the scoreboard. They went real defensive. Um, that would be the only fault I, I would imagine because Bowden's got being the, the All Black, the the rugby player that he is. He he needs to. That's where he needs to be grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. Conversely, mm. which is quite ironic, that's when Richie Moonga started to come into the game uh, and started to, you know, launch counter attack. Uh, started to, I don't know. It was like that's when when the Crusaders got desperate, they got better. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, you know, you, you've got to get better before you get desperate because often when you get desperate, the game is nearly beyond you or is beyond you. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I certainly thought that both players had their moments. Um, we're, we're very well stopped with either one of them. I'd be comfortable with whoever was given the responsibility of that jersey. But probably when I look at it in an overall picture, the, the, the most noticeable thing for me was the progress in the last four to five months since the All Blacks last played in November that Bowden has made. Richie's still just a class act. Yeah. Skillful rugby player. He can do things that others can't. Uh, he's not dropped away. In fact, he's starting to get to where he needs to be after being rested those first three rounds. But uh, he's now probably very well aware that he's got a guy that's been, I think, double uh, international rugby player of the year mm. back to his best. And that, but that should motivate him. That should motivate him to get better. He he played opposite him. He saw him open us, open us up. He saw him dictate the game. He saw like he, the work he did to send Papa Lee away was outstanding. Um, and and you know Richie can do that and does do things that Bowden doesn't. But uh, yeah, that that was a classic contest of two very good players. Yeah, absolutely. It's a debate that we've been having for years, and I suspect we're going to mm. continue having it for years. But a debate that I think, for some people at least, has has popped up over the last couple of weeks. Stolten Papali is he starting to play himself into serious contention for that number seven jersey uh, for the All Blacks? Yeah, well, it's a real mess, Manaya, isn't it? That that loose forward mix and mm. that, that that's a real conundrum for for Ian Foster because you know you've got. A lot of informed players. You got a like a lot of like for like type players. You know, I think Papali'i and Sam Kane are very similar players. You know, they're a similar build. They've got similar work ethic. They can hit. Uh, they both yeah, they can hit hard. Yeah, <laughs> they both play seven. They both get through a mountain of work. Um, and you know, then you've got how you balance out that back row because you know where does Artie play? Does he play number eight, or is he an open side? Does that rule them out? You know, then do you go for a big six? Um, so. You know, plenty, plenty of things for them to sort out. But I thought Papali'i was was outstanding, and and you know the Crusaders have started to look towards uh, their back row, row trio being Christie, Grace, uh, and and Blackadder. Mm. Um, but I certainly thought when Matera came on, probably the best I've seen him. To be perfectly honest, uh, when he got injected into the game for for Christie, and interestingly, it was something that I really wanted to see about. Three weeks ago, I think it was. Uh, might have been two when Scott Robertson named Matera. Uh, he named Blackadder at open side and he named Cullen Grace. And I said, oh man, now now we're talking. We're talking 
with no, with no, and this is completely with no disrespect to yeah. Tom Christie, who has been absolutely outstanding. Um, but it, it offered up a different dynamic, and this is this was a very big back row. You've got Blackadder at 110 kegs, and the other two at 105. But unfortunately, material was ruled out. So, what interested me was when he came into the game at the weekend. Those three were on the all on the field at the same time, and uh, yeah, I thought Pablo Matera probably played the best he has. So I wonder what Razor is thinking and moving forward when we dominate Australian teams with our physicality, whether or not he does go for that big back row. Yeah, the trio of absolute uh, monsters out there. Um, you've been talking about Leicester in the midfield. What did you make of yep. his move to the wing this weekend? Yeah, God, it's a tough one, isn't it? You know, um, look, I, I'm not convinced that the Crusaders are getting the best out of Leicester when he's on the wing. Uh, and, and I certainly think that they can get more out of the, the same two players being on the field, but in or on the wing. Because Braden can play wing, no problem. He's a very good winger. He's quick. He's skillful. He's a good defender. But you bring Fyinga and Nuku into that centre position, and it really just opens up a, a, a different can of worms for defenders, the way he plays. He's also got the, that unique ability to run into contact high mm. and, and deliver an offload. So not a, 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 a in-the-face offload or a front ball or anything um, that's got pressure on it. He can actually take contact and get get an offload away. And the reason that I mention that um, is because Braden Enos definitely got a better outside break at centre. He's, he's just got slightly better footwork and he's faster, I think. Like, he, he, testing might not show that. And, and people who know the results of speed testing but it's just quicker. in game dynamic yeah in game dynamic I just think he's he's just better laterally at getting outside defenders but I, I feel that when you've got two players without exceptional speed in terms of Enor and Will Jordan you need someone to straighten and I just wonder whether with firing a Nuku in the centre and he can bring an offload in the tackle and then you get Jordan running off his shoulder whether or not that's harder to defend but Look, they're very well blessed in that back that back four from centre out. You know, they've just got an absolute abundance of players that they can pick out there. Let's think about it. guys like Shafi Hakiati or Kenny Kenny Naholo aren't even getting a look in. You know, mm. they're younger, they're the future. But how you break in there? And I thought George Bridge also was outstanding when he got introduced into the game. So I think probably for Razor as he makes his way forward and looks at these Australian games, but more importantly, looks at quarterfinals, semifinals, he's probably got to, going to have to make some tough decisions because he's got Jack Goodhue coming back as well into the mix. Yeah. Uh, which, interestingly, is a player that had been preferred at 12 in his last year before his injury. Not only by the Crusaders, but by the All Blacks. Um, so then, you know, does is that a, does David Havili become a victim? Um, so, on, how, how do you fiddle that talent onto one field? It's a good problem well, to have. That's right. But what, what I think he can't fall into the trap of is all of those players being constantly changed. I feel they're really lacking some real some synergy out there. They're mm. really lacking rhythm from, from 12 out um, and, and particularly from centre out because players are getting moved around so much. I think he needs to get really set on a, a, a consistent back four from centre out that he's going to play. And if that means that Goodhue, when he comes back, plays 12, well, that's the way it is. But I don't think it's helping the Crusaders that they're constantly getting moved around. You know, the one consistency in the mix is only Will Jordan. He's always fullback. But apart from that, 
qualifying. And look who's been at centre. Bridge has been on the wing. Seve Reese has been on the wing. He's been rested. Enor's been at centre. Enor's been on the wing. I think that's got to stop. I, I don't think it's happening, helping their mojo, personally. Yeah. A bit of consistency seems to be what's yeah. needed. Um, despite the glut of... Uh, of mm. centres and wingers and all the all the outside backs that they have up their sleeve, it's, a, it's a, as I mentioned a great a great problem to have. Um, that's all we've got time for today. They're first up against the Rebels, or as we've been calling them on the SNZ run home, the Melbourne Shambles um, this weekend. <laughs> I don't think that'll be too much of a test for the Crusaders. But uh, Justin Marshall, thanks very much for your time tonight, mate. Thank you, Manai, and thanks for everybody joining us for in the red. Looking forward to this Trans Tasman co- competition kicking off at the weekend.